fears of tripping on top. Be there! Scour the spaceways! Explore vast alien worlds! The tin right here contains the whole rigmarole. I used to smoke about an ounce of hash every day. Good. And it made me go a little bonkers. Maybe. If I occupy his mind with more duties, I can control his space. Hi. Big fat Hi. doobies. Hi. Hi. Hi, 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 hi. What's up, everybody? It is Thursday, August 25th, 2011, episode 85 of The Hotbox. My name is Matt, and uh, unfortunately, Ian couldn't be with us this evening. He had to uh, attend to some emergency family stuff. But in Ian's place, I have the one, the only, Mr. Doug Shyatt on the phone. What's up, Doug? How are you doing, Matt? Thanks for having me back. Hey, absolutely, man. Thanks for filling in on such short notice. I was, like, sending text messages trying to cover it and get someone nice and interesting, and there we are. Well, glad I could help. Cool. So, are you, uh, you're still doing your gig with Montanans for Responsible Legislation, or what, what are you doing nowadays? It's been a minute since we last talked. We are. The MRL is, is still together and functioning. We do still have uh, board meetings. We've taken uh, a bit more of a backseat approach and let the uh, MTCIA kind of be the, the, the torchbearers uh, for the time being. But we're still working in the periphery. We're doing our signature gathering part uh, in the trenches there. And uh, we've branched out into a few other not-for-profits, the Montana Coalition for Rights, uh, where we're endorsing a constitutional initiative to protect the voter initiative process uh, in Montana and a few other side projects going so- on. MRL is That's awesome. Is that project to make sure that something like this doesn't happen again, like that that sort of thing, or what's the main focus? Ideally, ideally, it would be to uh, preclude the the legislature from from trampling democracy, from wasting money. (laughs) Yeah, indeed, it goes far beyond even the medical marijuana issue, even back to. God, Willie Horton in the '80s with the the, the cause folks and their campaign to remove prison furloughs that. Cyanide keep leech mining. Uh, this, this issue involves a lot of people, and so I think the uh, preserving the initiative process in the face of ivory tower demagogues is incredibly important right now. Yeah, we we were talking about that. That it's not just a marijuana issue anymore. Like they they pushed it so much, so far past that point that now it's turned into just a basic yes or no, right and wrong human rights issue, and that's. It's crazy. It drew a lot of uh, unnecessary or unwanted attention to the political process. And because of that, because of social networking and the Internet, like a lot of stuff is getting put right out in the open that some of these people maybe, you know, would would rather have have not had it happen that way. Sure. So uh, language, your political age and whatnot these days, it is. Right, yeah, it's it's blurring lines and everyone's just like rights. This, that's what this is about. How's how's your guys' side on the the petition gathering going? So far, so good, or we're we're holding strong. We've been uh, focusing a lot on, on the Bitterroot uh, area, Missoula, some work in Helena, but we're we're, uh, we're, we're getting it done. Uh, uh, as it sounds like a lot of uh, other folks out there are. So, and I would just love to take the opportunity to applaud everybody across the state. Everyone's doing just just an excellent job with this. I'm beyond impressed with a complete volunteer staff. Uh, this is grassroots democracy. This is the purest form of speech possible. And I'm beyond proud of the people of Montana for stepping up and taking responsibility for their lives and for the politics and the laws that will affect them. So Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of it's standing up for people that may not be able to and just, you know, making your voice heard and saying, you know, no, this is not we're not going to let you put people in jail for a plant. We're not going to let you destroy lives and families because of this. Like it, that has to stop. And a lot of people are, you know, 
down for the cause. Enough is enough. Yeah, enough is enough. I, I think we've seen enough families destroyed, like you said, enough drug war orphans created. There's been enough costs levied on the taxpayers across the state of Montana, across the country. It's time for the, this nonsense to end. Uh, it, it really is. And I think, you know, we're, we're in the, the dying days of prohibition here. It's just... Uh, Always darkest before the dawn. Of course, of yeah. <laughs> what's what's your outlook? You think five, ten years? What what are we looking at as a time frame for? And what what's the goal? I guess we should define. Is it full legalization? Is it strictly medical uh, legalization? Mm, you know, I, I think it's a a, a a personal issue for for a lot of folks. There, there's people on on both ends of the spectrum. There, there there's the, the the crowd out there that really wants to preserve just patients' rights and have access to cannabis as solely a medicine and nothing more. And then the other school of thought, you know, weighs in the, the, the criminal justice costs, the social impacts of cannabis right. prohibition, the heavy-handed sentences, and, you know, leans towards complete legalization for all responsible adult uh, usage. I, you know, on a personal level, I, I have to say I'm a tax and regulate guy. I think anybody over the age of 21, responsible adult, should be able to purchase cannabis at a store, much better they would with a six pack of beer or a bottle of wine. Based on the logic, based on the logic that for the last two thousand years or however long people have been using cannabis, that there hasn't been massive statistics of fatalities and you know injuries and side effects and stuff like that. If there's no hurt, then it's all good. What's the problem? It, indeed, it, it's it's a benign substance. It's probably very beneficial for a large segment of our society, uh, and then. It, it, in my mind, it makes no sense to spend money uh, that the state doesn't have to lock up nonviolent drug offenders, uh, especially when such a large segment of society indulges in the use of cannabis. Yeah, and this is where populism and grassroots organizing becomes very important. There's a lot of us out there. Uh, just yeah. a lot of people are scared, and, and <laughs> it's it, that climate of fear that, that keeps this movement stagnant. So I remember back in 01, in 2001, there was a movement called the Come Out of the Closet Cannabis some, <laughs> something or another, and it was a Hempfest thing that people would stand on this soapbox and say, this is my name, and I smoke weed, basically. And it was the whole point of it was to get people out of the closet of I'm a closet smoker or no one knows that I smoke because, you know, I'm ashamed or I don't want to be treated like a second class citizen or something like that. And it made, you know, it, it made people realize that, holy shit, there is a lot of us. Indeed. And that was kind of the, the focus of a lot of the, the, the verbiage that, the, you know, the speeches we gave at the out of the, the shadows into the street march was. It, it, it's time to come out of the closet, and it's time to come out of the shadows, and it's time just to speak speak honestly. And I, and I know it's difficult when you have these government uh, fear tactics employed where you have police raids and, and, and all that going on, and, it, and it, it's tough when you have families and whatnot. But, but if you want things to change, you have to put your foot down someday and say enough is enough and, and right. just speak the truth. <clears throat> it's the whole strength in numbers. They're not going to put all of us in jail. But what they will do is, as we've seen in uh, here and more – uh, m closely, uh, Michigan. It it recently happened that they'll just yeah. pick out one or two of the high dollar, high traffic dispensaries and just completely blow their minds. Like I've never been involved in a raid situation. I don't know if you have or not, but I couldn't imagine just going to work and having my office kicked down the door and like guns drawn. Like I, I, that has to be such a traumatizing experience. I, I can't even imagine what that would be like for this, these poor people. Incredibly frightening, and, and simply for growing a plant that provides relief to sick people. Right. So that's the framework we're dealing with right now. 
now, and that's just the, the absurdity of it. You know, one story that sticks with me uh, over the past few years is, is uh, Jean Musell, um, uh, an older activist in hospice care, who, who was uh, found to be in possession of an eighth ounce of cannabis, had a medical card, couldn't find the card at the time, and the institution called the Missoula Police Department, who sent four police cars there to toss this old woman old woman's room looking for pounds of cannabis, accusing her of being a drug dealer. It was a that's like how a many waste of money, a waste of time. It traumatized the poor woman. Uh, you know, yeah, stories like that. We need to we need to end. How many cops does it take to go talk to an old lady about her cannabis use? Like it it's it's a complete exactly. waste. Yeah, it's an abuse of power. It's a complete waste of our money and their time. I'm sure the cops are like, are you kidding me? I mean, some of them are crazy and gung-ho, but, you know, a lot of them are like, you've got to be out of your mind. I'm I'm busting my grandmother for an eighth of pot? Like, seriously? That's where the power of looking to the history of of social movements comes in. Uh, You know, folks like Gandhi or or Harvey Milk taking less of an aggressive stance. Remember the past. The general public to see how they've been these special interest groups have been victimized by the state, and that's what we're experiencing now. In my mind, this has never been a cannabis issue. This is a liberties <laughs> issue. Exactly. About your basic God-given human rights, which are repeatedly and regularly trampled by, by, by the government. <laughs> uh, and the only way we're going to be able to appeal to a broader demographic is if we can illustrate that injustice, uh, yeah. thankfully, and in a profound manner. Absolutely. And it's funny that you say that about being, uh, it's not about cannabis again, it's about rights. I was watching this show called The Green Room, and they had Joe Rogan on, and he was talking about how ridiculous it is that when you break it down, all it is is one human being keeping another human being from an experience. And when that experience has no effect on any people around me, any other humans other than myself, it's appalling that one person can do that to another person. Just, you know, at the core of of what's happening, obviously on a much larger scale with the whole drug war and prohibition the first time and now here, prohibition part two. It's it's ridiculous, but it's absolutely not about pot. And that's why at the beginning, everyone was like, we have to educate and we have to do this and that. And it's like, well, they know. This has nothing to do with that, you know, like the, it, absolutely nothing to do with that. This is all about control. Yeah, you know, I actually, uh, uh, funny story from this past legislative session, I was in a Senate Judiciary uh, Committee hearing uh, where we were debating some of the the nuts and bolts of 154 before the gray bill was introduced. Right. And I had approached Senator Shockley uh, with sort of a consensus-based solution, something that would work for law enforcement, Mark Long, you know, a lot of the larger caregivers. It seemed to be a reasonable solution, and I presented that to Senator Shockley, and he looked me square in the eye and said, son, I'm not trying to find a reasonable solution here. I'm trying to play good politics. <laughs> oh, wow. The mindset we're dealing with. Did that uh, break your heart? It, it, you know, uh, I'm a bit of a cynic these days. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, it, it wasn't so overwhelmingly unexpected but it was right. a bit of a shock that he actually verbalized that sentiment so right said it out loud. he put it into words and made it real <laughs> indeed yeah you know education's great and for the broader public as a whole it's a powerful tool but but i think beyond that there has to be a bit of holding elected officials feet to the fire there have to be recall campaigns accountability responsibility yeah exactly and i yeah. think Having, yeah, for sure. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, and I think having these social network tools, archiving all of this stuff so we can, like you said, go back and look, this will just be a huge timeline of, you know, 
how they screwed the people and how the people got their shit together finally and rose up and made, you know, put a stop to it and drew a line in the sand and said no. And we'll have that, you know, to look back on and search and mine for data and whatever. You know, I think most of Montana, especially the, the population of medical marijuana patients, is at that point they've drawn that line in the sand and they've said enough is enough and that's, you know, why we're at 24,000 signatures with basically no money. Right. <laughs> it's why we have this broad-based, highly organized grassroots campaign, statewide uh, networks, uh, because people are, are fed up. And, and I think until... We have to be able to communicate that to, to politicians, and until they start respecting and understanding that, we're going to see a lot of the same prohibitionist rhetoric and a lot of the same disingenuous testimony in the legislature. Right. Experience I past. think the, the education thing is good as long as, like you said, we need to focus on the public, not so much the legislators. Like that 55-page piece on crime rates and economy stats and marijuana – like, we should have been sending that to the people, not to the legislators, because none of them read that. You know none of them did. And it was all laid out of there. Course. And and it destroyed a lot of their arguments, saying that since there's been medical marijuana here, crime rates have gone up, and businesses have gone down, you know, all that. Like, here were the facts that were cited, and they didn't care. It's absolutely not about that. But the, you know, it, well, this is a highly emotional issue for, for a lot for of sure, people. And for you sure. have folks like Sherry Brady who are scared about chemical dependency and their their children having access to, 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 to drugs or, or things like cannabis. And, and, and uh, that's, that's a valid fear. Uh, and you really can't counter that sort of emotive reaction with, with, with reason. Well, you know what, though? We see it on an emotion. We see that same exact tactic used on some of these internet bills, some of the blacklist IP acts, some of the the COICA stuff. They use their children as the 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 agenda motivator, you know, that there is no yeah. real basis. It's just like protect the kids and after the that kids. point yeah. you have to, otherwise you're the asshole. Who can argue with that? It's for the kids. And, yeah, and exactly. What's going on that this recent attack on Facebook? If your kid uses Facebook, he's more likely to be engaged in illicit behavior. Uh, and that's kind of setting up the, the chips to, to restrict people's access to social networking. That's the first step to erode your, your ability to, to organize uh, via social networking sites. Uh, exactly. We've seen government collapse for the past couple of years due to. Oh, for sure. In, in Egypt. I mean, at the core. Across the Middle East. At the core, it's communication, and that's key in any type of network or relationship. Like, that is the basis, and that's what this allows us to do. And it's great that, you know, we have this tool because they have a lot of money, <laughs> you know. We need something on our side. Yeah. So well, I like – I, I kind of want to shift gears for a minute. I like how you mentioned about the whole behavior uh, aspect of it. Do you think – did you see in the news lately about that study that said uh, addiction is a disorder now? It's a uh, – what do you call it? Brain disorder instead of a behavior. Exactly. Disorder. And so do you think that's going to have any weight one way or another on the cannabis legalization movement or the medical side of it? You know, I, I think that issue probably speaks to a, to a, a broader level of drug policy reform, uh, uh, more so than, than medical marijuana or cannabis-related uh, right. issues. Like Portugal. Uh, you know, the, the, the information that, that I've read indicating that there's a high level of addictability to cannabis, just it, it doesn't seem to, to, to be there. Cannabis seems to be fairly benign and, and 
reasonably safe for people, not very addictive. And you need a context. Folks. Of, of course. Yeah, rec, uh, 10% of people uh, claim to have developed a cannabis addiction, which is on par with alcohol. Right, but check this out. Define define addiction. Is it opiate withdrawals where I want to blow my brains out, or is it I kind of want to smoke pot, but I'm not going to, and that's it? You know, like these are two completely different animals when you talk about coming off of them or addiction. Yeah, I I think the real power behind that study uh, lies in the fact that we've uh, created a whole class of criminals exactly uh, who are more than likely born that way. Uh, Folks are either, if you want to see it as a disability or or just with a difference, uh, are, are demonized and used to support. They're the foundation of this prison industrial complex. They provided a slave labor pool for unethical private prison corporations. And, and uh, it, uh, the, the medical marijuana issue is, is very strongly related to, to these greater levels of drug policy reform, where, where the war on drugs basically takes what's, what's an illness and, and makes a crime out of it. It takes a sick person and, and demonizes them instead of providing them the, the actual treatment they need. Uh, and, and so yeah, I'm glad we're shifting in that direction as, as a population, and that those acknowledgments are starting to happen. Uh, but as far as the, the interplay with cannabis at this point, that study I, I just don't, don't don't keep in mind my file at this point. Yeah. This issue. But I, I think it's exciting when you're, when you're thinking about how, how do we get nonviolent drug offenders, regardless of the substance, out of prison, and if we can acknowledge right. that it is a disease that it's not something that deserves to be punished we're heading in the right direction and think about it think about it this way we have an endocannabinoid system in our bodies each and every person has that so basically what they're doing like fish have gills so that they can breathe underwater so the government comes along and says hey fish no more water water's illegal schedule one that's basically what they're doing. Like, you're saying I can't have something in my body that I have a system for. Or do there, sort of thing, yeah. It, it, you know, it, the whole argument's illogical, and, and what we saw over this past legislative session was, was folks like Sherry Brady or Senator Essman or Mike Milburn making these insane statements. It was a joke. Non-verifiable it, not based in fact at all, just made up and, and created to provoke an emotional response. And you, you can't counter that sort of stuff with, with logic. It, it, it's such an emotional issue for these people that reality ceases to matter. It's just how they're feeling in that particular moment. But can you make decisions that govern the people based on that? Like, they totally thumb their nose at piles of scientific evidence and fact and statistics in line four the mother that said her kid got addicted to pot then raped and blew his brains out like you can't you can't make a decision that affects all of us or repeal one that we voted in just based on that and that's exactly what we saw them do you know one of the, one of the central fears that, that politicians maintain is appearing soft on crime or soft on drugs uh, and it's a slippery slope right. to get on when you're dealing with wide demographics of people uh, because not everybody thinks the same way we do. Not everybody's been exposed to the same information we have. And, and True. so it, it tends to, if you're a politician, be safer to err on the side of caution and come down in a heavy-handed way. Uh, and like I said, until we start replacing some of these guys or, or one or two of them to get the rest of them to step in the line, we're going to see the same sort of faulty political system going into place, which 
which is what's bankrupting this country right now, which is what's thrown the United States Constitution out of the window. It, it is that emotional uh, governing that's going on. It's expressive justice instead of uh, actually looking at ways to reduce crime rates. Right, and if we started actually making decisions based on fact, not feeling, uh, that would be a really good start, I think. Yeah. So but then you end up, like I said, like Dukakis did with Willie Horn in 88. It, uh, right. You know, prison program supported by statistics, but it was such an emotional issue and race played into it, it, it cost him the presidential election. And so it's uh, emotions are a huge part of this for, for these guys, and, and that's kind of the power of, of people like Sherry Brady, because they're doing the grassroots organizing thing too, and they're getting their folks yep. in line. Uh, it's the other side of the coin, you know, that they're they're out there and they have their kids and they have their morals that are given to them by God usually, and you cannot, no matter what, you cannot change their mind. There is no possible point of even trying. It's, and that's what we're up against. You know, and I don't think we really have to change people's minds at this point, per se. Just just sure. more or less get them to understand what's going on in, in my bedroom or in my gun closet or, or in my garden is none of your business. Much the same for as sure. what's going on in your garden, your gun closet, or your bedroom is none of my business. Exactly. Right? If, that's if, kind of one of the ideals of the faith. Montana is such a great place to live for so long. True. <laughs> if you're saying, you know, my smoking pot is affecting your child, I would say that you are probably being one of the worst parents I've ever seen in my life. Indeed. You know, I found a small level of success validating the fears of a lot of these prohibitionists, and I think when you actually sit down and talk with them, they're not malicious people for the most part. There are a few of them out there, don't get me wrong, but most of them are really just genuine good people that have concerns and have been misinformed and that's where the education campaigns come in is you, you talk to these people validate the fears under, understand right. where they're coming from because unless you can debate both sides of the issue you can't really win yeah exactly so we, we have to understand where they're coming from uh, uh, and acknowledge that and and agree we're probably not going to change each other's minds but because we have a difference of opinion does that make it the state's business then? that's right but we still have to live together and I think that this petition effort is a really good chance for some of that get to know your community and get to know who you're living around because you know we all do have to share this space that we have and space is getting smaller the more people we have on here and we need to figure out something because if it keeps going like this something's going to give and it's it's not going to be good i think you know, I think things could go either way at this point. But, yeah. So are, are you folks uh, engaged actively in, in gathering signatures as well? Yeah, Ian's been doing a ton of that. He kind of heads up this the, the chapter on this side of the the mountains. And, uh, yeah, it's it's been going really well. He He's getting How's people signed up got, to – we're getting people signed up to vote and then getting, you know, the signature for the petition. But overall, pretty good. Some people – we we talked about last week about uh, some places that actually weren't very friendly to uh, the petition gatherers. Uh, I think Rock in the Rivers, I believe, was one of the places we should all boycott. Uh, you know anything about that? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think they were they were pretty aggressive in cutting off people's wristbands and calling the police. Yeah, yeah. Just 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 silliness, you know. And and, and it is what it is, you know. It's their party. Uh, well, for and, yeah. As out of line as they are, you know, you just got to 
just got to roll with it, you know. But uh, it, 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 it's it's funny for me when I'm out here on the street, you know, talking to these people, it, it really is pretty split, split down the line. You, you know, about 50% of the folks are have just have such this, this bad image of cannabis due to some awkward behavior over the past past couple of years, a real bad core gut feeling that cannabis is wrong, and the other half kind of get the, the, the broader spectrum here. But, but there's been some real visceral reactions to the petition, at least that I've experienced. So I'm just God, wondering if that's universal across Montana or if we're just dealing with certain folks here. Uh, yeah, I would Yeah. I would say there's probably a good correlation with the amount of churches in the area. It seems a lot of those people have like that deep feeling just because they had it drilled into them from the time they were born, basically. That kind of old school thought process that it's it's the devil weed and this and that. But for the most part, the the reactions have been good, which is good. pretty good. That's, that's cool. That's, yeah, refreshing to hear. You know, because the next step is, is the widespread PR campaign and convincing people why they should support uh, voting against 423. And and I think it's a spinnable issue. And I think you know you presented the, the facts to people in a way that they can understand. I think most folks will come around to our side uh, once we get it on the ballot. But, uh, getting it on the ballot is the first part. Right, and that's that's what we have to really you know, drive home is that even if you're against pot, sign this petition because it's going to make it so that we can put it to a vote again. And if we're all going to share this place together, then we're going to have to vote on shit so that we can figure out how shit is going to be. Yeah. I, I like being an American. Exactly. I, I really and this Ig- is part of being an American. Exactly. So. All right. Well, hey, you want to stay on the line real quick for a, a listener comment from the website here? I, I'm curious to hear what you have have to say about this, if you got a minute. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Uh, This is Joe. He writes, hello. Thank you guys for reading my comments on the show. I'm new to the show. I've heard about your show from Normal's Daily Audio Stash, which I do want to mention will be replayed on that Friday at 6 p.m., which is kind of cool. It's live.normal.org. He says uh, they do a great job to inform people about cannabis, medical, and otherwise. I'm really grateful for the motivation, doing podcasts, community come together. I should explain, the I've Got's Mind philosophy is the idea that medical cannabis is better than decriminalization or or legalization. Medical cannabis doesn't go far enough. We shouldn't have to see a doctor register with the state and wait two months before getting a non-toxic herb. Adults who use cannabis should have the right to lawfully buy cannabis and not be treated like we are today, like criminals who belong in a cage. Uh... Basically, he has members of his family with MS, Tourette's, Crohn's, uh, many other ailments that cannabis benefits their lives so much that they're able to do things and enjoy life. And you've seen it. I've seen it. We've all seen that. Uh, he says, thank you very much for your time and effort and all that. So what what do you do? You agree or disagree with the I guess that kind of just goes back to the full legalization or medical. But the whole I've got's mine philosophy. Have you have you heard that much? Oh yeah, you know I I think Joe's right on right on with that, and, and thanks for the comment, uh, uh, Joe. Uh, you, you know uh, the, the I got mine mindset is something that that a lot of us have talked in depth about for the past few years, uh, and ways to overcome that. And, and like I said, there are factions within our movement. There are folks that want to see this exclusively in the realm of medical, and the reasons for that are largely based in fear that it's either going to be messed up for the rest of us or I've already got mine, so what's going on with you doesn't matter, or I'm not a criminal, but you are, even though we're engaged in the same behavior sort of thing. 
Uh, and that's why things like Unity Marshes and coming out of the closet and developing a community here, social networking, uh, communication, staying in touch are, are all so very important because as it stands right now, if you use cannabis for medical reasons, for recreational reasons, for spiritual reasons, for whatever reason, you are still a criminal in the eyes of our government. Federally. Under federal law, yep. what we are doing is still illegal. And in the mindsets of many law enforcement officials I've spoke to, many lawmakers, we are all still criminals. And so, <laughs> yeah, I've got my mentality, it's frustrating. And I think it, 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 it makes the movement stagnate. It sets us back and it keeps us from reaching the full potential of what we could politically. And I think the strategy that was in place a few years ago was to sign up as many people as possible for cannabis cards, register them to vote, build the infrastructure to run the initiative process to legalize cannabis uh, and to get it out there so we could stop hearing these horrible stories like the guy with MS in New Jersey who just went to prison for growing medical cannabis or Jerry, who I wrote an article about from Montana Connect in the Bitterroot, same story, uh, yep. growing cannabis for his MS, got arrested, got put on probation, had his card pulled at the time, you know, just all sorts of insanity. So we can't exist in the realm of exclusively medical because as long as we do, that shame still exists stigma still exists, and the bad information still floats around out there. So I, I think it's everyone's responsibility, every American's, every Montanan's responsibility, is, but especially those who, who are cannabis aficionados, to, to get involved and roll up their sleeves and make a sure. push for full legalization, because that, that's where we're at, and that's what needs to happen. If you're tired of federal raids, if you're tired of the sheriff kicking in your neighbor's door, if you're tired of seeing videos of dogs being shot or hearing about 18-year-old kids going to prison for 20 years for growing a plant, we need to stand together and make that final push. And, and, and until we develop that unity, I think we're going to continue to stumble along the way. What, one compelling thing I've seen about Montana over the past uh, uh, three months or so is, is that that unity has really developed very strongly here. In the I've got mine mentality has kind of gone to the wayside. It was, it was more prevalent, I think, a year ago than it is so much today. Uh, it's still out there. But, but I think a lot of people are starting to understand, especially with the federal intrusions and, and with these recent raids that have happened over the past couple of weeks, that we're really in, in this boat together, like it or not. And the only real sound solution here is legalizing cannabis for all responsible adults. Exactly. We're all in it together. If It's your cause. It's our cause. It's it's the cause. I mean, that that's how it is. How it is. All right. Well, hey, man, uh, anything else you want to say in closing? I really appreciate you uh, hosting some of the show with me. I got a couple other phone calls to make here that we got to do, but any... Well, do you think that it was always a pleasure, you know? Thanks, yeah. thanks for having me back on, like I said. It's a good time. Yeah, definitely. We'll, we'll keep in touch and use the power of the book and all the social media and get that communication line going and, you know, do what we're doing. Indeed. Get these signatures collected. and well. Yep. All right, man. Well, thank you. Keep up the good work, Matt. Thanks again. Yep, you too, Doug. Bye. All right, Doug Shyett, everyone. Always, always a pleasure speaking with that man. Very articulate, very well spoken. Uh, good to have people like him on our side. <laughs> Absolutely. So I guess uh, I got a few news stories I'd like to mention, some not focused in Montana, because we've kind of been focusing uh, in Montana a lot lately just because of what's been going on. So we'll take this chance uh, if anyone wants to call in and share their thoughts with anything they've just heard about. Uh, the number's 406-204-4687. 
uh, please make sure the feed is turned off when you call. So, uh, the first thing I guess we should really discuss is what happened in Michigan. Not, not good. Uh, basically, the the Michigan court here, the court of appeals, they ruled that medical marijuana dispensaries can be considered a public nuisance and could be shut down. So. I'm curious who the Michigan Court of Appeals is that they think that they can just be like, all right, from this point on, all of your dispensaries are a nuisance, a public nuisance. What does that even mean? Your dispensaries are a public nuisance and can be shut down. And then, you know what happened? Yeah, they got shut down. A couple of dispensaries in Ann Arbor uh, got raided. So, basically, what this amounts to is the courts deciding what the people did and did not vote for. Uh, Compassionate Apothecary co-owner Matthew Taylor said in a cease and desist letter via the Isabella County Prosecutor's Office has forced their doors shut, pushing them toward filing their case with the Michigan Supreme Court. And, as you know, the more you escalate, the higher up it gets, once it gets to federal, all they're going to do is say, is marijuana illegal federally? Yes, done. And that's going to be the end of that. So, not a good way to go by any any means. Uh, under the Court of Appeals ruling, patient-to-patient sales, as happens at some dispensaries, duh, uh, has been deemed not part of the original legislation passed by voters in 2008. Thank you, court. Is that not what I voted for? Will you tie my shoe for me? I'm just a wheel baby. I can't make decisions on my own. I'm not an adult, even though I can go to war and kill people and drink alcohol and drive a car. Thank you, court. What a bunch of dicks. I'm going to say the Michigan Court of Appeals, you guys, are a bunch of dicks. Uh, so, basically, that's it. They got raided. Not, not happy. They had lots of, and it's it's weird reading about it because that happened here, and seeing the the reactions and how it all went down. It's exactly how it happened here: raids, patients crying, everyone not knowing. You know, basic overall disarray, disorder, chaos. It's complete chaos, complete and utter chaos. So, all right. Well, let's. Let's talk about this. There was a, another farm raided, and as we're we're doing this, let's give VJ a call. I've been wanting to talk to this guy. Uh, if you're in the chat, I will post a link here. This is his YouTube page. Hello, how are we doing today? VJ, what's up, my man? Hey, Matt, how are we doing? Hey, we're doing well. We just got uh, done with a really good discussion with Doug Chayette, and uh, now we're seeing what you're, what you're up to, man. What do you, what's, what's good? Hey, man, what's going on here is uh, I was just in the middle of uh, putting out some posts to uh, folks in other states about the struggle we're going on here and how it's turning wild here with the Fed. A drug war, you say? Yes, drug war. The the war on our own citizens, especially here in Montana. 
We've heard some people in Lincoln got raided. I I mentioned today, I was, I don't know what to think about this, but I was driving in town in Kalispell here. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but. Are we on the air now? Yes, we are live. Sorry. <laughs> should should mention yeah, that. I just thought I would try to clarify yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> we are live now and people are listening. Okay, so I'm I'm driving around and I'm by the city hall and on the side there's a parking lot there by the waterworks and I see the white Durango and the tan Chevy and I see two big dudes outside with cop bulletproof vests on. One dude's got his AR like assault rifle, the other dude's cocking his shotgun and they're just getting ready like they're about to go knock on someone's door. Yeah, and, no knock horn or something. Eh? And so I'm not one to cry wolf and get everyone in a in a tizzy, but I mentioned I it. <laughs> I mentioned it. Here's what I saw. Take from it what you will and be careful. That's all. Like you saw what happened yesterday or the day before, right? What happened uh, in Lincoln? No, uh, before that. Oh. Uh, Ref- like two or three days ago, I posted, uh, uh, beware, lookout, I believe we're under surveillance. Yep, yep. The game begun. And uh, I said that I had a vehicle that followed me and uh, that I even wrote down a tag that I have somewhere. But anyhow, I did not describe the vehicle. Uh, the tan truck. <laughs> is that, is, is this, to a is this your card? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Has anyone seen this vehicle? <laughs> Have you seen this boy? Uh, so what's your whole role? You want to give yourself a little introduction. Uh, you make YouTube videos. You were the famous one man or one-legged jumping up and down telling people to get off their asses and get some damn signatures. Okay. I guess guess yeah, we should probably start from the beginning there. Please. Um, my name is VJ. Um I've been in Montana since a little before the turn of the century here. And uh, I've, uh, I'm, I'm an amputee. I only have one leg, and I can't really go into how that happened. But there's a lot of trauma surrounded with that and some other things. But anyhow, so I have several conditions that qualify me as a medical marijuana patient, one of them being post-traumatic stress disorder and uh, insomnia, nerve pain, you know, chronic uh, severe pain, so forth. Can I so, – can anyhow, I – can I ask uh, how you lost your leg, or were you born that way, or is it that's, a... That's part of the things that we just really can't get into Oh, right okay. Now. No worries, no worries. Wouldn't, wouldn't be advisable. Just just curious, point. but continue, but, please. Just let me say that, that up until recently, um, for six years, I've been basically kind of in hiding in my own home because of the PTSD and the pain and everything. But when I heard that signatures were low on this petition, it was like a voice spoke within me and said, get up. Go you forth. You must get up and do something about this. So, and so I have. How did you hear that the, the signature count was low? Did you, is this word on the, the, the street or the grapevine or what? Well, well, I have a provider that uh, I can't really go into because uh, it's a safe situation for me in this situation. Sure, sure. <laughs> and they're legal and everything. But, of course. Uh, you know, everybody's kind of keeping low key at this point. We're all but, legal. Um, and they're not a license, like, to provide to everybody anyway, so it wouldn't help anybody to know who it is. Right. And, and, <laughs> anyway, and it doesn't even I have matter. a situation that makes me safe, but I thought about, I've been through chemo, and I thought about, oh, my God, you know, if you are undergoing chemo and you've got, you know, your cannabis, and suddenly you don't, you'll do anything 
to not go through the pain of chemo, not go through that horrible, horrible, debilitating weight loss and puking. The pretty and nasty. That yeah. makes you a criminal now. Which is appalling, completely appalling. It's, you know what? It makes literally if you if you have watched all of my videos, you will see it does. It makes me cry. I mean, I cannot help but I'm, I'm sorry if I get a little little misty eyed here too. I cannot help but break down sometimes when I think of the injustice of people suffering when there is a simple, nearly free medicine for them if they could grow it, if they were just allowed to grow it themselves and be left alone. That is. Nearly free, right? And um, so, are you? Are you? But, but and, and and people want to have 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 a problem with that. Want to interfere with that? Where where? But like a person like myself, I can get nearly heroin from the doctor. Okay, whenever I want it, you know. I mean, more than anyone else could could take. You know what I mean? It's really? <laughs> we'll have to sit down sometime that, and test that. But I can't. <laughs> but but you know, they want to hassle me about my access to a plant. Yeah, that has absolutely. No side effects? Oh my god. That's so ridiculous. And we know we know by now it's not we've talked about this before that it's it's not about the plant. It's about control and it's about what they can do to exercise or exert that control over us. And it's well, just right. one they, piece they of the puzzle. They want to have a uh, like especially with people who are on probation or anything, it's all about control. They a want tight to have leash. a string that they can always snap you back from. So exactly. If you step out of line too far, they can say, "Look, we got this hanging over you and you don't toe the line, uh, we're going to Pull this string and you ain't going to have X, Y, or Z Because it's a business. You won't be able to do this. Right. Or you'll it's, go to prison. It's just because it's a business. Yeah. And the thing is, uh, for us, what we're trying to do is free the medicine and free the patient. Because if we free the medicine, what, what I mean by that is uh, we need to free it up into the uh, legal uh, economy. Because R- it will be a, a, a boon to the economy each uh, storefront represents seven employees at any given time during the operations of that storefront. Each sure. marijuana storefront, that is. So each provider. Are you so a seven full... employees and you imply you know, multiply that by how many how many dispensaries may be needed in the state, which is probably somewhere around I'd say probably around six or seven thousand would be a pretty reasonable number sure, of sure. actual dispensaries. And then the mom and pop you know, having a few uh, people that they provide for, you know, probably another thousand or so of them. That's a, that's a lot of people. I mean, there's a lot of that, people that's that a lot puff. Of people, but we're a rural state, so we need that many providers to be able to provide that many people. And they limit our numbers of plants availability and such and so forth so much at this point that we can only take care of so many people. So Which is ridiculous. Lots and, lots and lots of people taking care of them. Right, and that's ridiculous or because... Us, or you give us the right to grow more plants, and then fewer people can take care of more people. Exactly. But you have to have space and money in order to make that happen, and I do not want to see this turn into something that is a big business, big pharma, or even big pot people. I don't want this to get out of the hands of the guy who could grow it for himself and maybe grow it for five or six neighbors who needed that medicine, and, you know, it would supplement his income. It would be great for the economy. Absolutely. And like I say, for, for each license, the state gets a tax or whatever. They get their licensing fee, and and there's no more cowboys and Indians if we set decent parameters on this, which is what we want to do as providers and patients, right? Exactly. That's, I mean, duh, right? Tell me where I go crazy here. 
Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. And like we talked about with Doug, it's it's about the other side saying it's it's about the kids and protect the kids and you know, once Protect the kids from alcohol and cigarettes. If there yeah. is such thing as a gateway drug, it has to be tobacco or alcohol. I would say probably tobacco because it's the only drug I know of that you have a very negative first experience with. You cough and you choke and you puke and you feel all lightheaded and everything, but you'll still go back and smoke another cigarette for some dumb reason. I don't know if it's peer pressure or if the nicotine is that immediately addictive or what. But I remember when I used to smoke. I'm about, by the way, 85 days tobacco-free. Thank God. Thank you, thank you, thank you. No kidding. Hey, <laughs> congrats, man. That's tough. So what was thank your... You. It is tough. It's the toughest thing I've ever kicked in my life. I bet. What was your gateway drug? What was your first... Was it weed? Was it alcohol? What was you it? You want to know the truth? No, I want you to Un- fucking lie to me. <laughs> unfortunately, my gateway drug was morphine. Morphine? Interesting. Interesting yeah. choice. See, when, when I was four years old, I was struck by a car, which began the chain of events that I call my life. <laughs> sure, sure. Which is a more of a, of a, I don't know, almost like a sci-fi uh, episode with uh, maybe a marathon of house thrown in there for good measure. Now showing on your YouTube page. <laughs> huh? Your life now showing on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, well... Yeah, that that kind of my show, yeah, Confirmed Lunacy, is kind of a way for me to, in a way, it, it heals me to be able to tell the ridiculous stories that have happened to me. And if you've ever watched my channel, you know, I tell some really wild stories, and you'd think, boy, that, that kid can spin a whopper, or that kid, I'm 50 almost, that man could spin a whopper, but <laughs> every single story I tell is true. I'll tell you because what. If I told them in any other venue than comedy, you would never be able to accept it. <laughs> yeah. And I'll tell you what, podcasting, it's very therapeutic for the soul. Just being able to like absolutely. turn this absolutely. on you. and talk to people and just say what, what is on my mind. Like, it's, very, it's very therapeutic. I, I definitely in three, in three months of talking on Facebook and doing my YouTube broadcast in three months now, I'd say I've gotten more than any person can get out of 10 years of therapy. And I kid you not. Yeah, we definitely it's not we don't do it for the money. Let's put it this way. There, there's something what? else there. Money. Exactly. <laughs> Will you sell Somebody out? Tell me the first dime. <laughs> do you want us? Do you want to sell out and put ads on your show? Because I sure don't. Well, you know what? I wouldn't mind putting an ad on my show for one thing. I'm telling you the truth because I put a, a, a call out on my show in general. I need a laptop so that I can, uh, uh, what do you call that, edit, you know, and do interviews and, and, and just do a better show, a better job of bringing it to the people. But I'm on Social Security. So I just put a, a ad out there like, like uh, you would to your neighbors and say, hey, anybody got, you a, know what? got a laptop that's collecting dust? Hey, man, I'll love it. I'll hey, VJ. it. I'll talk to it every day. I'll share my feelings with it. <laughs> Hell, hey. it will feel like it belongs in the community again. And Check so this out. <laughs> I, knew, I knew a lady that had MS, and we looked online and found a place that was a foundation, and we got them to buy her a brand new laptop for free. So maybe well, we definitely have to talk about that after the show. Yeah, you know, just throwing it out there. Definitely. Just throwing it out See, there. And that's another thing that I'm trying to do is trying to network with folks like you and all of the people who are your listeners and who are my listeners and fans, all two of them. That's right. Me <laughs> anyway, and you. <laughs> I'm trying to network with, with all those guys and, and find out it, what we can do because I believe that the only way to make action happen is if I say, hey, 
Matt, you know what? I have this idea, and I'm telling you, I will do X, Y, and Z to try to make this work. What can you do to help me? And you say, well, I will do this, this, and that, and see if so-and-so will do such and such. And you get maybe five or six people at the core of any idea that are committed to saying, I will do, and that means in action, I will do something right. about it. And Doing. you can do anything. You can get anything started because five people probably know 50 at least. Well, yeah, it's, it's the network. 50, you might get 48 no's, but if you get one yes out of those people, out of those contacts, that's an important person that knows other people, you know what I mean? The chain goes on and the event can happen. You could make something happen, and that's what I'm trying to do. It's what, it's what we were talking about earlier. It's, it's the core at the base of it. It's human-to-human interaction and communication, and that's that's the backbone, the foundation of any sort of process that we would try to undertake as a group or right. individually. Now, I, I believe thoroughly. It's key. And, Communication and, and is key. Very convincingly in a higher power. And I believe that maybe he gives us a mission or an idea or a vision, whatever you want to call it, to do. And then, and, I, and the universe, you know, they say something about it. It, it exists in, an, what is it, an 11-dimensional, vibrational, you know, string theory universe. Anyway, hey, man, God... God plucks the strings. He sets up another vibration, right? We've got to go with the flow and make the music happen. And that's how the universe works, man. Or at least that's a kind of a pretty way of saying it. <laughs> go with the flow or make the music happen. That's right, man. All right. Exactly, so Exactly. You know? And I used to do a lot of music, too. But since I can't go into bars until – can't legally go into bars until February, um, that's been out of my life, stand-up comedy – and the bars. So that's why what started the YouTube thing as soon as I got YouTubeable a few months ago. And then I heard about this IR125 thing being in trouble. And from there on, it's completely changed my life. I've lost so much weight now, I'm almost <laughs> unrecognizable from the person Shit. I was. Don't kill and yourself over it. In crowds. <laughs> So what's yeah. what's been happening as far as you heard about what happened in Michigan, right? That the Court of Appeals uh, said that marijuana dispensaries are considered a public nuisance and they, they can be shut down. And that's kind of not really, but kind of what we see here in the way that their raids were happening and that, you know, patients were scared and everyone was crying and it, it's you disarray. What I really think about that, I think that, that the powers that be that are against something like this whether it be pot or, or gun control or anything like that, these people that want to find a way, the progressives, because that's usually who it is, you know, sometimes it's the, 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 the what do you call it? The, um, the fucking the progressives. Republicans, but you get much more of that, I think, from the left than you do from the right. But anyway, they come up with these ideas of how to do things. They, they try to make workarounds, like a workaround of the Second Amendment, for instance, would be like making lead bullets illegal using the EPA. I think Obama's right. going to try that if he gets elected to a second term. Okay, and then he can Use say, titanium, ah, 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 duh. I didn't touch the Second Amendment. I just made a, uh, uh, an environmental law that said lead bullets pollute the environment, and we cannot have that. And so only law enforcement will be allowed to possess and use lead bullets, and anybody else will be federally liable. See what I mean? And so they can get into your lives. And like this thing that they did here in, locally with our vote, I mean, we sent up a petition or a, or a, a referendum or, or a, what do you call it, initiative. And then they think that they can change that. The judge said you can't repeal it. So they just did everything except repeal it, which basically, in effect, did repeal it. But... 
it violates the spirit of everything about the referendum initiative process. And, and now we're fighting a battle that we already won again, which makes me nuts. But the thing that's really at the heart of this is respect for the people's rights, respect for the people's votes, the people's wishes. And now we have a federal government running roughshod over people here in Montana. They're arresting, they're raiding, they're surveilling. Yep. Sorry, I'm going to run on here, but this is a really important point. And the thing is, is that with this going on, we've got sheriffs in each of these counties. Now, a sheriff in the county, he is supposed to be the law of the land in that county. He is the highest elected law enforcement officer. Now, when you get a federal guy come in and he wants to serve a warrant, he goes to the sheriff and he says, I've got a warranty, blah, blah, blah. Now, if I was sheriff of a county in Montana, I would say, you know what, unless this warrant is a fugitive warrant, has to do with violence or a sex offender, you know, or, or something like that, uh, you're not going to get any help with the warrant. As a matter of fact, I'm going to send my guys out to film everything you do to protect my people that exactly. elected me to be their sheriff to protect them because the federals are not interested in protecting you. They're interested in controlling you. But our state's you know, not protecting it's not us, is it? It's, it's regulation enforcement. It's, it's control enforcement. And that's not something a sheriff should allow in his county. And I'm actually thinking about running for sheriff in a county near you, <laughs> Ravali County. We should all run. Because we, we should totally all run. We should all run and we should all get elected and we should all kick the asses of these morons that have completely driven our ship into the ground. Well, that, that's right. Well, I'm telling you, what do you what do you think would happen if, if you know, 10, 10 Montana county sheriffs said to the federals, no, you're not going to do any drug raids in this state. They period. would fire them period. all. You're not you're not enforcing the, the, the laws on, on on illegal immigration. Why should I let you enforce the laws on drugs here? You're not you know, enforcing the, 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 the laws that are on the books that I want enforced. I'm not going to let you enforce that law here in my county because I'm the sheriff and I would have the authority to do that. You know how that's... Okay, now, that might turn into a big old ugly fight, but I'll tell you what. Exactly. If I had that badge saying I was the county sheriff, there's not a whole hell of a lot an FBI agent could do except give me the ugly look and whatnot unless he wanted to draw down on me, and that would be kind of silly now, wouldn't it? I, I could see that going one of two ways. One of those ways involves it'll a large shootout. It'll a civil war, or it'll make the exactly. damn federal back off. Do you think they'll risk yeah, a civil war? Are the people ready uh, for a civil war? I would, risk? I would risk my own life. I would tell all of my deputies to I would stand too. down. And I would risk my own life in, 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 in service to my country. Do you see how I, in my, most of my posts on, on YouTube, or excuse me, not on YouTube, on Facebook, have you noticed my, my, the ending, my Ye- sign-off? Yes. I sign it, I say, usually I say, just saying, you know, like, hey, I'm not God, I don't know everything, I'm just saying, this is just, just an saying, idea. just throwing and then the it. the final sign-off is, your servant, VJ. Now, there's a story behind that. See, George Washington was a servant of the people, and he knew it, the first president. They wanted to make him king, and he would not allow that. Now, whenever he signed any of his correspondence, you will find that he signed his correspondence, your servant, George Washington. Huh. That touched my heart when I learned that, when I read his diaries. And so I said to myself, the thing that, that, that my motto is endeavor to be worthy of liberty. That's my motto. 
And that's what I wake up with every day if I ever go to sleep. But anyhow, so when I think about So you don't sleep much, huh? I thought about George Washington. I said the highest calling any man could have is to be a servant of his people, of his country, of his neighbors. Even Jesus said, if you want to be great, you got to be the servant of all. The first will be last, and the last will be first, or whatever you happen to believe in. When you see that post under VJ Mistracci's post, and you see that your servant, VJ, I mean that with all my heart. I am your servant. Each and every single one of you who calls yourself an American, I am your servant. That's good to know. That's definitely good to know. I'm I'm glad I'm glad you appreciate it, and I'm sure there are others. Absolutely, they expressed that appreciation. But I am really seriously thinking of running for that. You know what, county. I I have volunteered to go to Mars. I will if they ever have a ship that's ready to rock and roll. I would totally be I mean, down. Can't come back, right? Yeah, that's fine. I will explore. I will explore the fuck out of Mars. Let me tell you what. They I would send back the best data. I'm just saying like you have we have that kind of determination and motivation uh yeah, well, if, when yeah, it comes I'm to certain to things. I, I, it's going to get done, but more so than that, I believe that, like, the the thing that I said about the event that I'm trying to do, right. I don't actually tell you the truth, I don't know if I told you about the event here on the air today or not. See, like, Justin... There's an event that I'm trying to pull together. I believe God said that's going to happen, so I believe it's going to happen. It's called faith. Faith is the evidence of things hoped for. Justin, you know? um, Justin Fan, uh, listen, Justin Fan... in itself of what's going to happen. Listen, VJ, Justin Fan in the chat says, if a law is unjust... A man is not only right to disobey it, he is required to do so. Thomas Jefferson. Yes. And that's Thomas what's happening. Jefferson, the tree of liberty must oftentimes be watered with the blood of tyrants and of patriots. That's that. I believe that was Thomas Jefferson. Now, that's the scariest one for me of all, because this tree of liberty is looking pretty weak. And unfortunately, it seems like the very, very, very best food, the best plant food for the Tree of Liberty is blood. And honestly, it's the blood of tyrants. But in order to shed that blood of tyrants, unfortunately, a lot of patriots' blood ends up getting shed in the process. I don't want it to come to that. I'm trying to do everything I can to keep it from coming to that. But if the Federals don't understand that they're pushing I mean, and I think in some ways the Obama administration wants some right-wingers to go off this so is, that they have an excuse to start <clears throat> rounding up guns and people. This is clearly not a war that they can win, though, and they know that. And I don't think it's about winning. It's if, about if holding as much— take con- away the guns and start over there and work their way over here, and especially if they can ram this crap down a Montanan's throat and win, they win. The rest of the nation will see us— if we bend over and take this in the behind, you know what I mean? If we become President Obama's B.I., you know what? You know, Yeah, I know what you're saying. System, Getting they call butt the, raped. The, the, the justice system, uh, then the rest of the states are going to bend over, too. That's just the way it is. They look to Montana as a maverick state for an example of how to stand up against tyranny. And if we don't, who will? 
And we need to do that by collecting lots of signatures and putting this to a vote and getting people like me and you elected to sheriff positions to where we can be like, I, I don't, no, I really dicks. Tell you the truth. I don't know you that well, Matt, but I tell you what, I don't I see how much worse a job you could do is if you started with the premise of protect your people first. I know, right? Job, protect the people of your county. I know it. Exactly. That means protect them from from. That that means to enforce the laws that that need to be enforced, that the people want enforced, that the people have passed, and not to enforce unjust regulations that are thrown in there by what almost amounts to a foreign power. When you talk about the federal government, we get uh, uh, what do you call it? so little support from them in the way of anything constructive, but an awful lot in the way of mandate. Right. It's kind of the, it's a it's a very blurry line they're walking, and if they're not careful, they're gonna get bit. Yeah. The thing is, I almost think they want us. They want conservatives to fire the first shot in an abortive civil war, so that they can move in and take all the weapons and say, "Ha ha ha! You made us do it." You know, we didn't want to do that, and then they can go about building their new freaking socialist utopia, just like they did over there when they wrecked Britain. You know, and they're warning us, don't give up your guns right now. I don't know if you've seen that, but they are putting out stuff all the time now. Don't give up your guns. Don't give up your guns. Over in Britain, they keep telling us that, and Canadians too. Don't give up your guns, America, because once you give up your guns, it doesn't matter what you say. They can do whatever they want. Yep. you got to be able to protect yourself. All right, man. Well, I think I'm going to wrap it up, but I really appreciate you all talking. Right, well, and Well, hey. we need on your show. And yeah, for sure. We man, need to. I appreciate your efforts. We'll too. do this again sometime, definitely. And hey, if you need any help with the tech stuff, I definitely, I, I know a guy. <laughs> and as soon as I get a laptop, I am going to need, where, where are you anyway? You know what? Where, I, I, I'm in Kalispell. We broadcast out of Kalispell. Oh, see, I'm casting out of out of the bitter it. Oh yeah, you're that's a ways, but maybe I'll make yeah, it up there with maybe, as soon as I get a laptop, I think I'll be able to figure it out. Somebody's just asking me how I got into their account. <laughs> maybe I have no idea. I don't remember, but I do things intuitively. Listen, with VJ. Computers and don't know how I do them, but I don't know how to do things that other people just know how to do. It, that's normal things that you do. <laughs> maybe one day I'll come up there with a laptop for you. I might have one laying around here somewhere. Hey, that would be awesome, man. I mean, you know, like I said, all all I want to do with it is is you know help the cause. And you know, hey, if I tell a few good jokes, that might help the cause too. You know, we need to keep people happy. We need to keep people informed, you know, and aware. Like I said, the vote's coming after all this signature stuff is over. Exactly. And that's when it's going to be important to keep people's uh, morale and awareness up. That's right. We got to keep the attention. You do video shows. We do an audio show. We do it live. Everyone comes and gathers and listens and gets yeah, caught up. Yeah, we can do a, a combination show where we're doing a combination confirm lunacy and a hot box show or something. There we or go. you have a comedy show also, right? Yeah, I, I, I do. I have Maybe a very... Maybe we could do a, a, a <coughs> on location. If you were ever in the Bitterroot, we could do a... On, I don't know what your capabilities are, but I can do mine from almost anywhere. Um, I can so, do mine uh, from everywhere. Uh, I can stream live. Listen, I can stream live from Mars if I wanted to. I have okay, a mobile well, streaming stream business. Live, but I mean, I can <laughs> record a show from anywhere and hit it up within an hour. Mobile you know, streaming business, live. guns for hire. If you know a guy, need a guy. Let me know. But yeah, we'll definitely have to have to work on some some future stuff. Wait, what so. was that? Guns for hire. I'm sorry, I wasn't gathering that. <laughs>
All right, man. Well, hey, thanks for the call, and we'll definitely no, no, we'll mean, keep in touch. Wait, what, was that? what did you say? I didn't hear, I didn't catch it. Oh, I said video mobile streaming guns for hire. Ah, I see. Yeah, K- kind of like uh, like you want to be a stringer or something. Is like a spy. <laughs> I can like stream spy, live huh? like a spy. Oh, that would be pretty fun. I've I covered. Did you see my coverage of the of the the uh, the strike or the not the strike but the informative picket? Huh, uh, I, I didn't catch that one. Oh, okay. Well, I just did that and, and did a nighttime episode, so you might want to check onto my channel. Well, cool. Subscribed, and there's only one nighttime episode there where it's pitch black behind me, and I'm outdoors. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, that was about the nurses' strike. Well, I'll do that, and I'll uh, listen. Anyhow, I'll... I know you got to go. It's been nice doing the show with you, bro. You take it easy. All and, right. You know, keep your head high. For and, sure. Uh, you know, watch for the man. Yeah, man. All, <laughs> All right, right. Be safe. Later, VJ. All right, man. VJ in the house on the hotbox for his first time. How was that call, Skype? It was excellent. Finish. So that's that. Uh, very hard to get a word in. That That's cool, though. Usually, like, people aren't like that. People are afraid to talk. They're afraid of the microphone. They don't want to get their voice recorded or say something stupid. So it, it was nice having someone that actually could take control of the conversation. Uh, Doug is like that too, which is really nice because I, it makes my job way easier. I just get to kick back. So, uh, before we get out of here, I did, I did want to mention that there, there was a large pot farm, uh, that was found kind of in our neighbor's territory here in Oregon, uh, $25 million worth of marijuana plants from what the police call a illegal plantation on privately owned forest land in northeastern Oregon. Uh, With the upcoming bow hunting season, law enforcement officers asked hunters to keep their eyes open for illegal pot grows. Hey, hunter, keep your eyes open. If you smell pot, call 911. No, don't call 911. Here's my card. Call me. Why are they trying to put people against people? That's not nice, and they should really stop that. Uh, Two men, ages 50 and 25, (laughs) father-son, holla, uh, were arrested and jailed. The investigation started a week ago when a helicopter spotted the marijuana plants from the air. Law enforcement officers searched the property in a remote section of northern Wallowa County, not far from the Washington and Idaho borders. And I hope Idaho, if we have any Idahoan listeners, I hope you guys are getting your petitions and your stuff in order so that y'all can vote and make it, you know, a nice clean sweep up here through the Northwest. Because right now, if you're trying to go to Washington, for me, man, there's like a little stretch of Idaho that's really sketch to drive through, if you know what I mean. Just saying. Gotta go to Spokane Sunday and see Aesop Rock. Aesop Rock, very excited. One of my favorite hip-hop artists. I am a hip-hop rapper, if you didn't know. I make hip-hop. This is going to be a fun show. It's going to be Sunday at 7 p.m., I believe, at the Knitting Factory in Spokane. So if you see me wearing a dumb jam hole shirt or something, come say, hey. Uh, So yeah, officers found over 10,300 plants, all three to five feet tall. The plants, thank fucking God, have been destroyed. Thank you for keeping our streets safe from 
marijuana. $25 million. Hey, how's the national deficit? How's our credit rating? Oh, here's $25 million. Up in smoke. Unbelievable. Why would they do that? Why? Why would you ever do that? Waste not, want not. And I don't know if you've noticed or not, but things are not that great right now. Not that great at all. So I'm just saying, maybe you should be careful uh, when you burn $25 million worth of weed. Uh, There is, before we wrap this up, there's an interesting op-ed here about how marijuana busts tear families apart. I wanted to real quick mention. Uh, In New York City, CPS, Child Protective Services, is pursuing several cases involved alleged neglect from parents who have possessed minor amounts of marijuana, so minor, in fact, that it's technically not even illegal to have it. How little amount of pot do you need to have for it to be not even illegal to have it? Like, so small. Up in the northernmost New York City borough, the Bronx, Penelope Harris was caught with 10 grams of cannabis. Ooh. Legally, such an amount was not enough to charge her even for a misdemeanor, but the 31-year-old mother and aunt was faced with an even more heart-wrenching legal battle, getting custody of her son and niece back. When Harris was briefly in custody, authorities reported her arrest to New York's child welfare hotline. City case workers subsequently arrived to remove the children from the young mother's apartment. Harris's then 10-year-old son spent over a week in the foster care system, whereas her niece, age 8, was in another home for upwards of a year. All because of a little bit of weed. Just a, just a little bit of weed. Oh, hey, where's your kids? Oh, I don't know. I think they're in foster care somewhere. It's cool. I had a little bit of weed. They, they need to be protected from me because I'm a monster. We wouldn't want them doing the monster mash now, would we? Mm-mm. Um, this case is just one of many of the like involving several hundred New Yorkers. In recent years, people who have been caught with minor amounts of marijuana or have merely confessed to using it became unwilling participants in civil child neglect cases. Thanks, government. Cheers. Bunch of dicks. Why is the government a bunch of dicks? And why can't you hear my show? I have no idea. You absolutely should be able to hear my show. I'm sorry. Uh, so yeah, just know that people are getting busted for little amounts of weed. Or they're not. They're not even getting busted for that. But then they're they're getting narked on, and the CPS is coming. They gonna take your kids. Gonna take your kids. <coughs> Excuse me. So, anyone want to call in or discuss anything else before I end this show? It's been fun. You can email info at hotboxpodcast.com. You can go to hotboxpodcast.com and click on an episode and leave comments there. Or we have a forums that we share with the jam hole that does shows Monday, Wednesday, Friday uh, at hotboxpodcast.com slash forums. You can also leave a message at 406-204-4687. And hey, reach out and touch someone. Facebook.com slash hotboxpodcast. Tell your friends, like it, and invite them to like it as well. 
because we really appreciate that. And it spreads the word. I pay for this show out of my own damn pocket. I break my back to work so I can make some money just so I can do this show and the comedy show. And I'm making a rap album. Thejamhole.com slash music peep game. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you guys next Thursday. Thank you, Doug. And thank you, VJ. Thank you, guys, Justin fans. Peace. If you like, you we, like we, this is where, you, where need you need to be. be. <laughs> if you like weed, this is where you need to be. Thank you for listening to the podcast.